Tony Katz. This is Kendall and Casey. The Amber and Nigel Show. All right, well, when does your show start? Do we know? I feel like I've been promoting this for nine years now. This is the Tony Kinnett Cast on 93 WIPC. Good evening and welcome to the Tony Kinnacast here on 93 WIBC. That's 93.1 FM out of Indianapolis and the live streams both here on Twitter X and YouTube.com. So there's a lot of shenanigans going on today, but first Republicans get excited. I know this has been coming for a long time. Mitch McConnell has announced that after November, he will be stepping down as the Republican majority leader, which means that in a span of just a month, RNC chairwoman Ronna McDaniel and Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell are stepping away from positions of leadership. I know. It, it's it's great. It's exciting news. And you should clap. You, you should be excited for this because if you're a Republican, this is the best news that you have received this year. You should be more giddy than when the special uh, prosecutor found the special counsel found that Joe Biden uh, wasn't charged because uh, he had a fault to memory. You should be more excited about this than absolutely anything else on planet Earth. And there are two very good reasons why, and we'll get to those. But first of all, this marks the end of the Republican establishment, uh, the old guard, I've heard it called, um, and their control of the Republican Party. This is it. Um, Kevin McCarthy was not necessarily a member of the old guard. I know a lot of people like to think that he was, that Kevin McCarthy was was some kind of like backdoor uh, super elitist stooge. Doesn't exactly fit that way when you look at his record. But Senator McConnell has definitely become um, the bulwark of the establishment over the last decade and a half. And it's now over. And all of the candidates that... Uh, were kind of riding on the bet that this whole Trump populism thing and and also this fascination with traditional conservatism was just a fad and they would get back to business as usual. The, the, the status quo hope that everything will go back to normal and everything will be the way that it once was, uh, that has now leveled the hopes and dreams of a lot of candidates. For example, Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley was already done in this primary, but she had a hope and a prayer that if voters came out and approved of the idea that everyone wanted to be back to normal and that back to normal meant establishment or old guard Republicans, then she was golden. She could, you know, run in 2028 and likely get the nomination. Everything would be smooth and wonderful. Only that's not what's going on now with speaker mike johnson as uh, speaker of the house the traditional conservative and now mitch mcconnell being ousted and likely to be replaced by either ted cruz or mike lee or rick scott all of whom despise that old establishment line of thinking it's really not looking good for a lot of establishment members in the party there is genuinely a part of this group that is desperately out of touch I will say that the reason establishment Republicans became such, you know, a lot of people call them rhinos, Republican in name only. The reason that a lot of establishment have fallen out of touch with the American people 
is not because over the last couple of decades they sold their souls in D.C. and agreed to make these backroom secret deal. That is the kind of thinking that uh, a child decides for like why a teacher graded their test wrong. They're like, oh, it's because Mrs. Charbroiled Burger doesn't like me or whatever. No, that's not why establishment uh, GOP members started um, being garbage. The reason a lot of establishment Republicans have started being garbage is because when you spend all of your time among individuals who are the heads of corporations, who are lobbyists in state capitals and in Washington, D.C., and you are told constantly every single day all of these glad-handed pieces of nonsense from people who have lots of money, you don't sell your soul. You just become out of touch with your constituency. You do. You, you, when you choose to spend more time in Washington than you do in whatever district office you're totally working out of during your term in your home state, you lose touch with voters and you end up making really wild and stupid comments. Anyway, here's Mitch McConnell uh, saying that he's out of touch with the Republican Party. And that's one of the reasons he's stepping down in November. Believe me, I know the politics within my party at this particular moment in time, I have many faults. Misunderstanding politics is not one of them. So McConnell is, is making the case that he realizes that the, the mood of the Republican Party has shifted against him. And he has said, I'm, I'm bad at a lot of things, but politics is not one of them. Well, that only works if you're actually advancing the interests of your party in the Senate and the House. And I will remind you, there was a time when McConnell did such things, when McConnell was more concerned about getting good justices across the line and getting uh, certain pieces of legislation passed in the 2010s and up through the Trump administration. But somewhere along the line, McConnell got tired of being complained about, and he moved from being an individual who was more concerned with uh, the Republican interests of the state or the, excuse me, the Commonwealth of Kentucky to an individual that really was focused on just passing big, huge, massive, junky bills from foreign aid to infrastructure projects that we're going to talk about a little bit later on the show. And I bring that up because it is important to remember that Mitch McConnell was once not the the world's worst thing. My, everyone knows that listens to the show. My favorite clip of all time is when Mitch McConnell warned Chuck Schumer and the Democrats that if they uh, or warned Harry Reid, excuse me, that if they went wacko and basically started treating politics as a cudgel game, they would regret it. Here's that audio clip. Say to my friends on the other side of the aisle, you'll regret this. And you may regret it a lot sooner than you think. There once was a, a fighting man and there once was a fighting establishment Republican. But establishment Republicans have genuinely become so lost in the egotistical thing that they blame populist candidates of possessing. A lot of establishment old guard Republicans have taken it as kind of a moral code of honor to be lambasted by anything that Trump voters support and traditional conservatives support. And that's most clearly evidenced in a comment made today by Senator Mitt Romney. He said, Secretary Mayorkas is responsible for implementing the president's disastrous immigration policies. And I've long said he should resign in light of that record. 
An impeachment trial might be great politics, but it's not the remedy for bad policy and would set a terrible constitutional precedent. Hi, that's not how the Constitution works. And the reason Mitch, that reasonable Romney here is so desperately against the Republican interest of impeaching individuals who are not upholding the law is because traditional conservatives and populist Trump voters are for it. And that irks Mitt Romney, as he said fairly openly in the last couple of months regarding secretary, the Homeland Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas being impeached. He is willingly keeping the border open because he believes there is a labor shortage in this country that must be filled by immigrants who do not enter the United States legally and that closing the border is inhumane. He has openly said this before House and Senate committees. Therefore, he is failing to uphold his job under the executive branch. And this is how the Constitution works. See, Congress can take individuals in the executive branch who are not doing their job and impeach them. It is a misdemeanor not to uphold the law. The whole high crimes and misdemeanors thing. If you have a sheriff, let's pick a random, let's say Putnam County, Indiana. I don't know the Putnam County Sheriff. I'm sure he's a really nice guy. Let's say the Putnam County, County Sheriff failed to arrest a murderer. He didn't. He chose not to. He is violating his oath of office to uphold the law. And therefore, you shouldn't just wait for the next county election to elect a new sheriff. He should be removed from office. That's how checks and balances work. And forgetting that because you don't like Trump voters is a silly move. Uh, Ronna McDaniel also out on March 8th, and that's going to be positively fantastic. You now have Speaker Johnson at the head of a very, very interesting ship, and it's not going to be as tumultuous as you might think. We're talking about that next. Stay tuned. You are listening to the Tony Kinnacast here on 93 WIBC. You're listening to the Tony Kennett Cast on 93 WIPC. Good evening and welcome back to the Tony Kennett Cast here on 93 WIBC. Uh, we talked a little bit about uh, Speaker, uh, excuse me, Republican Majority Leader uh, Mitch McConnell or Senate Republican Leader uh, Mitch McConnell uh, stepping down in November from his duties. And this leaving a gap that's likely going to be filled by probably Ted Cruz, Mike Lee, or Rick Scott. And those would be three traditional conservatives. And the reason that's important is because when you take a look over at the House, Speaker Mike Johnson is, like yours truly, an uh, independent Baptist. And this presents kind of an interesting situation because Speaker Mike Johnson... Um, being a traditional conservative and holding traditionally conservative values usually puts him in a bit of ire from the media. Now, you guys have heard this all the time. How many times have you heard in the last couple of weeks about Christian nationalism? Ooh, that Christians are going to take over the government if Trump wins again. Ooh, and they're going to institute Christian theocracy that that uh, they haven't actually um illustrated what that looks like but they they can paint a picture of the streets for you there's going to be women in red gowns and white bonnets and they're going to be sold into sexual slavery and not like the the sexual slavery that the democrats are allowing through the southern border republican slavery uh that is uh, apparently a thing i I, I'm, i'm amazed um as apparently one of the archetypes of this evil that i haven't heard about it um i'd like to be invited to one of the catered lunches 
that the secret private money is planning on creating this Christo national super duper state. But uh, a lot of this stems from the fact that uh, Speaker of the House Mike Johnson from Louisiana is an independent Baptist. And there's a reason that I bring this up, because a couple of months ago, uh, the AP posted a uh, an article said many believe the founders wanted a Christian America. Some want the government to declare one now. And this, see, this is that whole Christian nationalism. Ooh. And they talk about how Mike Johnson is a Baptist. And at one time, he sat on an advisory board for the Southern Baptists. Ooh. And they start talking about how all of his beliefs are antiquated because he believes in this this dusty old bible that them bible thumping jesus lovers believe in and that's just stupid them backwater hicks who believe in that jesus of nazareth and they they make fun of of protestants and catholics and and christians on the right because that's what you do in the left-wing media when you're the associated press you have a republican the reason they must be evil terrible awful oh they're they're christians they believe in the bible oh it's awful he's a baptist Ooh. Well, an article came out today from the Associated Press, and here's the title. How Hakeem Jeffries, Hakeem Jeffries is the uh, minority leader in the House, Black Baptist upbringing and deep-rooted faith shapes his House leadership. And it's an entire article by Darren Sands at the Associated Press, lovingly talking about how Democrat Hakeem Jeffries See, he's he's a Baptist, and what that means, they start going over all the churches he's been in and and how wonderful it is that he went to this prayer, this national prayer breakfast, you, you know, the thing they called Trump a fascist for going to when he was in office. But Hakeem Jeffries, he's such a great, understanding, caring man. He spoke in depth with the Associated Press about his religious upbringing centered at Cornerstone Baptist Church in the New York City borough of Brooklyn. And it's all of this. He just goes all the way through about his sincerity with young people and and uh, just talking about how he, he, he goes and, and reads the Bible and he has a spiritual home for his grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Oh, it's just so wonderful. It's so cultural enriching. And that's the difference. See, if, if, if any of us, you, you listening and I, if we were covered, um, I go to a Baptist church and uh, see, that makes me super duper evil and antiquated and terrible. Um, no one can actually articulate why. Um, it might be because the, the Bible says that like abortion and sex outside of marriage of any kind is, is wrong. And so when I say that in public, that makes me evil. But Hakeem Jeffries, you see, um, he's allowed to do that because he's a Democrat. Biden is allowed to be a Catholic. Now, he, he doesn't actually do anything that's, that's Catholic. He can't even remember where the rosary is from that he apparently carries around every day for, for Hunter Biden. Um, and Nancy Pelosi doesn't do anything Catholic at all. But see, they're allowed to be Catholic. See, you're allowed to actually be a Christian in this country if you just like hide it in a closet and don't ever tell anyone. You know the exact thing that the Bible tells Christians not to do. And when I consider how important some people's identities are to them. See, some people build their entire lives around who they're sleeping with and what gender they are. In fact, it's so important to them that, that after they sign emails, they, they put what pronouns you're supposed to call them. And, and they, they, they celebrate entire days and months out of the year where they, they tell you how excited they are that they can have sex with with people of the same gender or non-binary gender people. And they want to make sure that children are instructed at a very young age about their sexuality. But all of a sudden, when, when, uh, 
whenever the Bible comes out, it's, it's the other story. It's some Christo-fascist's conspiracy. Ooh. That I'm supposed to give credence and, and pay attention to the Starbucks college girl who doesn't know her own gender, who believes that when Mercury is in retrograde or Venus is in Gatorade or whatever, that that means that Pisces aren't going to Gemini the Aquarius. I'm supposed to take her seriously because that's just her truth. But when I follow the, the scriptural principles outlined in a philosophy that built Western civilization, when I follow something that is allowed for Democrats on the other side of the aisle to, to go to Baptist churches, when I go to a Baptist church, oh, that's the end of the world and I'm evil and, and the FBI needs to investigate those of my faith because that's super duper dangerous. It's a, it's a plot, you see. Ooh. It's nonsense. Don't buy into this. Don't, don't go around and listen to the goobers who absolutely detest you because of your faith and then turn around saying how important it is for you to affirm their identity when everything that they are and do is a complete wreck. See, the peace that passes all understanding that the Holy Spirit gives those who believe in Jesus Christ does not need the affirmation of others to work. I don't need anyone else at all in order to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Yet those in the secular world will tell you that you need everyone's affirmation and approval of your life in order to be happy and to not commit suicide. I'm talking about the 40% rate of those that participate in transgenderism. We're going to talk about that a little bit later on the show. But when it comes to Democrats, oh, everything's totally fine. Nothing is any kind of a governmental overreach. It's just all about safety and love and, and compassion and care. And uh, this extends into federal regulation. Up next, we're going to be talking uh, with an individual who has done an extensive amount of research into a new program and a bill passed in 2021 by the Biden administration, which uh, will put a kill switch in your car so that the government can shut it off if your car suspects that you are doing something i maybe you're impaired maybe you're not you're, you're going to find all about it stick around you're listening to the tony kinnecast here on 93 wibc this is the tony kinnecast on 93 wibc hey hey welcome back to the tony kinnecast here on 93 wibc if you drive um which means you know if you're any adult in the midwest then you understand the absolute perpetual fear of having the controls at the wheel ripped away from you uh, because you start to drive over a plane of ice and you lose control. Well, thanks to the Biden administration's forward thinking, green energy and other kinds of technology policies, uh, there may be yet another way to rip control of your car away from you. Joining us is Thad Brock, the director of digital advocacy at the Heritage at Heritage Action and uh I got to tell you, man, um, when I saw your guys report on this one, I was a little taken aback. Uh, give us kind of the, the brief overview. Well, I mean, you explained it so well. Basically, big government wants to ride a shotgun in your car. Um, this is just the latest uh, example of a new regulation proposed by the Biden administration. And what we're trying to do at Heritage Action is raise awareness of this issue about uh NHTSA, the National Highway Traffic uh, Safety Administration, has been mandated by Congress 
to implement a new software in every new vehicle um, and what this new software looks like no one really knows and that's that's the beauty of what this comment portal is uh, open for um and basically like i said nitsa is the short for national highway traffic safety administration lots of yeah. acronyms here in dc um they want to develop a federal motor vehicle safety standard mandating that all new cars have the technology that can one passively detect intoxication and uh, intoxication levels of drivers and disable that car and passively monitor you for impaired driving with cameras or sensors and other uh, types of technologies to warn the driver or even cause the car okay. to come to a stop. Hold on, hold on, uh, because I, I we can't even begin to bring enough attention to this. So the federal government is encouraging a piece of software as a, as a regulation in vehicles that can shut off your car remotely if the software thinks. And we're talking the same computers that can't even figure out you know, where the fire hydrant is in the picture. The computer is going to figure out if you are impaired, uh, if you're drunk, if you're stoned or texting or whatever, and it is going to automatically shut down the car. And that's bad enough. But then now you're telling me, wait a minute, wait, that there are sensors that are going to be in the car. What, like tracking your eyes and your muscles or like what you're looking at? That's the thing. Nobody knows. Um, <laughs> and so... I, I think like the biggest parts of this are number one, how much does this technology cost? Uh, and, and I know already automakers are inundated with the amount of heavy handed regulations that big government is trying to impose on them. Yeah. That's to a great, that's a great try to point. spin up the R and D, uh, requirements so that they can implement this type of software. Now, the thing is they do have a two year runway to implement this type of software or technology in a vehicle. I mean, because right now automakers are developing models of cars two years ahead of schedule. I'm right. just trying to figure out what those look like. Um, but the, but the cost alone uh, just in the past decade, 60% of new cars, the price of new cars has gone up. And so if you think right now you can't even afford a car, you can barely afford your groceries. In the Hoosier state, I'm sure that grocery prices are out of control, just like they are everywhere else. If you can't afford your groceries, you certainly can't afford a new car. And and the only the only way that this technology can be paid for is by the automakers Ratcheting up the price along the costs to you yeah. uh, and to, to everybody in the state of Indiana. Now, and, and I, I think the other component to that is th what is this software? How well thought out is it? And that's Nobody what I want. That's what I want to dig into, because when it comes to federally mandated software, because goodness, we'll get into the to the legal aspects of this in just a second. But when you look at the federal government's track record on developing software or hiring individuals to develop software. I remember the launch of Obamacare. Do you remember the launch of Obamacare? The website that crashed. Do you remember how many different times over the last decade and a half, the federal government has released some kind of website or program just to leak millions of users data, uh, just to create huge loopholes and issues for individuals with bad intentions. Um, I'm thinking, again, just off the top of my head, if there is a kind of software that has access to the physical functions of your vehicle, 
then very easily that type of software can be impaired. And that's just on the bad actor side. Look at the federal government. How Orwellian of a concept is it that the federal government is mandating that your car may be shut off remotely at the same time that Biden is telling world leaders that, oh, yeah, sure, you know, Russia and China are a problem. But I still think the biggest threat is the climate. Is it am I the only one picking up 1984 and, and like doing double takes here? No, everybody is. And, and here's the here's the fact of the matter. This type of technology isn't developed yet. And, you know, there's, you know, there are some new cars that have the, um, the auto passenger detection. So, you know, if somebody accidentally walks out in front of your car while it's moving, there's a braking oh, that system that will like brakes. automatically the- slow it down. I think it's the Ford Raptor that has installed the, uh, so when you pull up to an intersection and you stop, it uh, like shuts off part of the engine and you have to manually release that. Yeah, exactly. Stuff like that. But, but that's the, that's the thing about this software is that it took years for automakers to even develop that technology to even be in a place where they could put it in vehicles. But again, it can be turned on and off. This is not something that is passive. This is right. or this isn't some. This is passive um, intrusion into your vehicle. You're not. You can't choose whether to um, allow this technology to be flipped on or on or on or off. The only switch on or off is that if the technology thinks that you're driving while impaired or disoriented, then it shuts off. Which is and, incredible and no one to can, me. I mean, can I, quite realize what that looks like. Machine be, predictive behavior is in, is insane. Anyway, I'm saying that as the for, as a former science and technology teacher, it's very very. It's nowhere near stable. We'll put it that way. If you swerve to avoid a pothole, which is again, people listening know that we're quite familiar with out here in the Midwest. I mean, imagine that you swerve to miss a pothole and the computer in the car thinks you're veering into the other lane and just shuts the car off. How do you even begin a verification process to turn the car back on? I mean, none of this makes it. This can only come. Well, well here's the thing. Here, picture this, you know, Tony, I know you're a dad. Imagine what it looked like when your wife was in labor and you were trying to get her in the car and drive her to the hospital so she could deliver your baby. Now, if that technology was in your car, you know, just as anybody would be, you know, making sure that your pregnant wife in the back who is in labor, you know, trying to get her to a hospital. Meanwhile, you're trying to drive mm-hmm. in a, in a mm-hmm. relatively safe manner, but trying to get there. Right. Will that software think that you're distracted? Well, of course it would. So I what would that same- mean? You're left stranded on the side of the, the road while your li- wife is in labor in the back seat. I think of the individuals who are in an intersection, like, let's say, our nation's capital, for example, and are encountering Mm -hmm. what could be a carjacking situation. So they back up and try to swerve out of the way and keep going. Imagine your car shuts off and uh, I guess allows the individuals to catch up to your vehicle. There are a whole lot of things that are obviously the average individual knows that's an issue here. Uh, We're on with that rock, the digital director of advocacy at Heritage Action. The last thing I, I wanted to point out here and this Everyone can guess, but we have to hear you say it. Is this software regulation coming from a law that was passed by the United States Congress? Is it my elected representatives and senators that have put this in motion? 
It absolutely was. And this is all coming from the 2021 Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. Um, you know, the, I think it was Nancy Pelosi that famously said, we have to pass the bill to see what's in it. This is exactly one of those scenarios where there were so many different additions and amendments to that law that no one quite knew fully what was in it. And so now everyone is going to pay the repercussions of, of, of the action of the congressmen and women and the senators who passed that. And again, that was Joe Biden's pride and joy. It's one of the, mm -hmm. the big pieces of uh, legislation that he tried to champion um, with, you know, Democrats in the House and the Senate. I tell you what, it's it's times like these that I truly do understand why used vehicles are going for as much as new vehicles. Thad, thank you so much for hopping on with us and giving us a little bit of insight into this. Uh, we'll obviously link over some of your research over at Heritage Jackson, and uh, God forbid, we'll check in with you real soon to see how this is progressing. Absolutely. And I'll just leave you with one last thing. It, there's a way that everyone in the Hoosier state can prevent this type of technology. And it's by submitting a comment on, on the comment portal that we've got that's linked to the federal registry. Um, and all you have to do is text drive D R I V E to five one seven seven six. It will send you the, the link to the comment portal, submit a comment and every little bit counts. We've seen over the past two years the impact that grassroots comments can have on stopping a lot of these Biden regulations that are just erroneous and are totally going to make your life even more difficult and remove your agency of freedom. Hmm. Erroneous agency of freedom, loss and difficult. I, I got to say, I'd probably use uh, dirtier, more, uh, let's say, vulgar terms to describe these regulations. But I I understand, you know, where we are on the air. So thank you very much again for joining us, Thad Brock. You are listening to the Tony Kinnicast on 93 WIBC. It's the Tony Kinnett cast on 93 WIBC. Feels like I'm losing it. Good evening. Welcome back to the Tony Kinnicast here on 93 WIBC. Uh, I wanted to draw your attention to something that the media news outlets in, this, in the state of Indiana have been covering rather extensively. Oh, it is just the worst thing in the world. Uh, so we'll go straight to the American Civil Liberties Union of Indiana, and we'll hear from their impassioned words in defense of, well, one would think civil liberties, but uh, anyway, here we go. They say parents of trans youth in Indiana, trans youth, woke up this morning to the tragic news that the life-saving health care their children rely on is now banned in Indiana. This law goes against medical science, prevailing standards of treatment, and basic human dignity. So there was a law that was passed last session which banned uh, hormonal treatments, uh, which really in medical terminology should classify as experimentation because we don't know the short-term or long-term effects of manipulating the endocrine system as well as uh, gender altering or really cosmetic or gland surgery so this kind of sounds gross because gender surgery is basically the indiana law prevents any minor 
from receiving carcinogenic hormonal treatments. So hormonal treatments that extremely, extremely increase your likelihood of, of developing cancerous tumors. Um, and also bans minors from receiving, uh, unnecessary surgeries that would harm a child um, developmentally or a, a cosmetic kind of surgery to, to look like they change their gender. So this uh, prevents uh, parents from allowing their kids to get their breasts lopped off, uh, prevents parents from allowing boys to get their penises lopped off, and then a, a wound, usually using tissue from the colon, um, sliced into their body and creating a permanent wound faking a vagina or girls taking um, muscle and skin tissue from their forearm cutting that off and creating a fake penis like some kind of freakish Frankenstein's monster uh, and then of course also removing glands uh, like again uh, the mammaries or the testes um, which is very 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 silly and stupid but the ACLU as well as the Indianapolis Star and Indianapolis State Affairs and, and a lot of the television news stations around the state they're claiming this is gender affirming care and they always use that term gender affirming care because it first of all makes it sound really nice gender affirming care that says the word care must be really healthy and nice why would mean old Republicans want to ban that well, I brought for you guys this evening a book. It's called Understanding Biology, and I swear some of you need to crack it open. If that's unavailable, any Indiana middle school science textbook will do. We'll talk about this very easily, and I'm not even going to get into the, the most obvious argument, which is that human culture has divided uh, sex between man and woman for the entirety of human history. Uh, the myth that that Jews or Native Americans once had like a ton of different genders has been disproven more times than anyone can count. There are men and there are women, period. Even individuals who are hermaphroditic, who have both male and female organs, always, by the age of 13, start showing a surplus of male or female hormones, meaning they, they showcase one or the other. And... In all respects, individuals who are hermaphroditic, born with, with differing sex organs, which, by the way, is a disorder. It's, it's not just another variety of human. It is because the cells did not replicate the DNA correctly during the early stages of mitosis, so stem cells got put in the wrong place. And again, yeah, I was just a biology teacher. I just happened to know those things because I paid attention in class. Um, and when the ACLU of Indiana tweets things like this law goes against medical science, I would like to see what medical science that's based on quantitative research they're talking about, because the medical science they claim to be citing is based on qualitative data, which means this: they have a person who says that they're a boy and they, they want to be a girl. So then they go and get pumped full of hormones. And then they say later in a survey that they feel better. And then that's the research. I mean, seriously, that is the only research that is done regarding gender affirming care, otherwise known as medical experimentation, because we have absolutely no idea the long term effects of messing with an individual's hormones. And by the way, there are a lot of women that do mess with their hormones. When a lot of women are going through menopause, they will take hormonal treatments to ease the, the discomfort that comes with going through menopause. Only there's a slight problem with that. Which is that if you start taking hormones, you increase your risk of cancer like fourfold. In fact, there are, there are carcinogenic warnings that come with women in their 40s and 50s getting treatments for menopause. Because they're much more likely to get cancer of some sort, usually dealing with the reproductive organs. 
Humans do not understand fully how the endocrine system works. We have been trying for a very long time since the endocrine system's real cementation as a system in the 1900s. We've tried very, very hard to understand how human hormones are made, why, how they're received, how all of the receptors and the function of that system works and how it interplays with every single organ in your body. And when you just mess around with stuff, not just with someone who's older and is just trying to relieve pain, but someone who is a minor and that entire system is developing and is a huge part in developing other systems, that is beyond medical malpractice. That is human experimentation that has not been seen to that effect since eugenics of the 1930s and 40s. There is no reason at all that you take an individual who may be suffering from a mental disorder and tell them to lean into the mental disorder. An individual suffering from anorexia or bulimia who believes no matter what they see in the mirror, they believe they are fat. You cannot convince them otherwise. So they start starving themselves or making themselves throw up. You don't say, hey, if that's what you think you need to do, you know your body best, so I support you. Any parent who does that is guilty of neglect of their child. Which, by the way, might have something to do with that situation regarding the Cox family, allegedly. Still waiting on all of the news to file out there. You don't lean into mental illnesses, ladies and gentlemen. You don't tell the schizophrenic you can also hear the toaster talking. Because manic ideology and manic ideation tend to produce manic results, which usually results in suicide, which is, again, why the transgender suicide rate is 40%. Has nothing to do with bullying. Humans have been bullied for thousands of years. That does not actually markedly increase the rate of suicide. So it's a good thing in this state that the Seventh Court of Appeals, the Seventh Circuit, has ruled in favor of the Indiana legislature. Thank you very much for tuning in this evening. You can catch all of our episodes over on podcast services. Make sure to leave us a review if you like the show. Otherwise, you stay away from that review button. We'll see you tomorrow. This has been the Tony Kinnacast on 93 WIBC.